Welcome to the Sabatu Mansare journey. I'm your host, Sabatu Mansare, a Muslima, a woman's empowerment devotee, a physician assistant, and a woman who will never say I can't, but rather a woman that would say, let me show you. Join me as I dive deep into faith, empowerment, unity, global health, our beloved mother Africa, and yes, chic, modest, Muslima fashion topics delivered to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes every Tuesday. Alhamdulillah, and welcome to the Sabatu Mansare journey. I'm sure we all have a connection to someone we do not share a faith with, but how does this, how does that affect our relationships or how we interact with others? I have always been the minority in any group that I find myself in as it relates to faith, and I tend to use those moments to educate people on Islam and my journey to faith. I must say there are lots of misconceptions out there about Islam, but I'm sure other faiths share some as well. See, I was born and raised as a Muslim, and I'm grateful to God for returning me back to my faith when I had veered off for a little while. But today, my guest is far more well-versed in interfaith discussions, as she is the first Muslima to become a chaplain in the military and the first Muslima at Catholic Theological Union to be elected by her peers as the valedictorian of her class. Lieutenant Saliha Jabin is a pastoral care provider and a strong promoter of interreligious dialogue and interfaith bridge building. She graduated with a Master of Arts in Theology, focused on interreligious dialogue in 2014, and was the first Muslim woman at Catholic Theological Union to be elected by her peers as the valedictorian of her class. Upon graduation, she interned at Northwestern University, Chicago, during 2014 to 2015 as an interfaith chaplain before enlisting in the United States Army. While in the Army Reserves, she served as a lay representative of the Islamic faith in absence of a Muslim chaplain. She conducted classes on Islamic studies and advised the leadership on needs of Muslim soldiers. Saliha was actively engaged in providing her unit with mission-appropriate cultural sensitivity training pertaining to Islamic tradition and cultural norms. Saliha Jabin was born and raised in India and first came to the United States in 2005. She wanted to expand her religious knowledge and graduated for the second time from Catholic Theological Union in May 2020, completing her academic and pastoral education, receiving her Master of Divinity degree to serve as a chaplain. She has been accepted as an active duty chaplain in the United States Air Force and inshallah will be serving airmen and their families as their chaplain. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Saliha, and thank you for being part of the Sabatu Mansare journey. Wa alaikum assalam, rahmatullah, barakatuhu, sister Saibatu. This is such an honor and I feel blessed to be a part of uh, your incredible project. Good to be with you. Thank you so much. Chaplain Saliha, this is a big month for Christians and I wanted us to discuss interfaith and get some tips from you as a Muslima interfaith chaplain on how non-Christians should maneuver in this month. Some of us have children that are being raised as Muslims, but they still want to fit in or have fear of missing out and struggle with not being part of the Christmas festivities. And there are some of us adults that may need some tips on how we could or should be towards our Christian spouses, family, and friends throughout the year and not just for Christmas. 
Now, this is just setting the scene for the dialogue, and by no means am I implying or saying that Muslim families need to give in to their children for the Christmas holidays, but I do know firsthand that it is difficult for small children to grasp the concept. But alhamdulillah, my children have grown into or embraced being Muslims, and they look up to me to continue to help them grow in the religion. Um, you know, my first thing would have been to ask you, um, what did you do with your children? Because that's exactly what every parent gets to do with their children, how we raise their kids. Because every house has a culture. We ourselves come from certain ethnic backgrounds. So we've learned to adapt to the culture without compromising on our theological values. So the first thing I would say, since you know I grew up in India, predominantly Hindu family, right? Mm -hmm. So we did celebrated a lot of um, Hindu festivals. Okay. Not to say that we started um, somehow embodying uh, Hindu theological ideas, mm -hmm. but not really depriving ourselves from the part of uh, being, becoming a part of the larger community that literally just nurtures us and raises us. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is instead of looking at our neighbors or mm -hmm. our community, the mm -hmm. larger community, as non-Muslims or us looking at our, ourselves as non-Christians, yeah. how about we look at ourselves as a part of the community mm -hmm. we find ourselves in? Yes. It's like if we really are even looking at uh, being a Muslim, mm -hmm. then how about looking at each other as Ahlul Kitab? We are yes. cousins, and yes. that's a fact. Yeah. So maybe like with the little older kids, we can talk about what Allah says in Surah Al-Hujarat, right? I've created you in tribes so you get to know each other. Yeah. So inculcating that um, the culture of getting to know each other without having to like always being in agreement. Because yeah. I feel like that's one of the key aspects of uh, being an adult in yeah. a world that's such a global village. Yeah, yeah. So I would say like we, we can begin from there. Yeah. And celebrating like just look at the uh, clothes we wear on a very um, average level, right? We come from different ethnic backgrounds. Are they anyway close to what we would have worn there? They're not, but somehow that does not stop us from being Muslim, stop us from being of that cultural heritage. We've learned to accommodate, we've learned to like embrace that part of ourselves because yeah. at the end of the day, we are people of the century. Yeah, And it's not, it's not against being a Muslim what whatsoever so i think we as adults we need to be able to like really internalize that message and be comfortable with ourselves yeah so how we behave yeah. our kids will just internalize that they don't need to hear anything from us they watch yeah. us that's that's so definitely just prioritizing true. all the relationships i guess yeah is definitely. something that we can start with Definitely. That's what I would say to begin with. No, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, and, and we've actually started the discussion uh, earlier than I thought we would. I definitely agree <laughs> that, that kids, uh, they, they, they see what you do. They don't necessarily listen to what you say. They more so right. follow what you do. And, and the way that I am today was truly how I saw my parents are when they were younger or when I was younger, right? The way that they are to their parents, the way that they were in the community. And, mm -hmm. and so it's the same thing that I learned. It's not, you know, my father could have said, you know, 10 different ways, um, about Islam, but, but that's not what I grasp. It's how he truly interacted with people, the good deeds, him, you know, offering the prayers, you know, him accepting everyone, mm -hmm. regardless of faith, uh, into his life, into his 
his home uh, is what taught me to be able to be in a community of people that are not necessarily sure. like myself. And and even though I say in the beginning, you know, I, I was the minority, I was the only one that wasn't a Muslim, but I never felt like there was some tension or mm. I felt out or, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was part of the in, in group. Uh, but, mm. but, but we have those moments again as adults to be able to educate, um, number one, because our children were asked, well, why is it that we don't put up a Christmas tree? You know, my kids just asked, why don't we put up a Christmas tree? And I, and I capitalize on those moments to teach them about their faith because right now they're only seeing me in action, right? And they're doing it because they see me do it, but I want them to truly understand uh, what it mm-hmm. means, what your faith actually means. Um, and and the difference is not necessarily highlighting, you know, good or bad. It's just that, you know, God sent uh, uh, different messengers to all of us, right? To the different uh, religions mm-hmm. um, and and to, to get to the same point, which is that to to recognize that there is, there is a God and that we, He's the only one that we should be worshiping, um, and and so the message is is just it's changed by, by by population or by people. So um, I try to, to focus on that. So, but before we get even mm. deeper into the conversation, because um, I, I, this is going to be a very interesting windy road. Uh, so let's briefly talk about your home country, India. Um, see, I worked at the White House. I spent a lot of time traveling. I, I think 45 countries or so I, I visited. Um, and it all sounds as though it's like, you know, it's plenty of travel opportunities and it sounds glamorous, but it actually is super busy and it's long hours. It's lots of hours on a plane and just trying to get adjusted to time zones because we're really only in the country for one right. or two days, right? So it sounds exciting. But one of the countries that I did not visit uh, is India, unfortunately. But I did get to meet uh, Prime Minister Modi uh, in Singapore for the 2018 uh ASEAN visit. And it was huh. truly impressive to watch his diplomacy, uh, his genuine and authentic relationship that he had with Vice President Pence. He was always a proponent. You have to come to India. You have to come to India. Knowing that <laughs> Vice President Pence is from Indiana, he would make the comments <laughs> that Indiana is something about coming to <laughs> India. And it was always classic, you know, and we were, yeah, every time he would say it, we would all laugh because he was just trying to get uh, the VP mm-hmm. to, to end up going there. So I never went to India, but but I really grew up in uh, in Sierra Leone, uh, West Africa, where we spent a lot of time as kids watching Indian movies, the Bollywood movies, uh, the Amitabh Bachans and the Himamalinis and Sanjeev Kumar and many others. And 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 I tell you, like my favorite movie of all time. Well, it's kind of hard to prioritize it this way, but it truly is one of my favorite movies uh, in, in the uh, the Bollywood uh, world is Ama Akbar Anthony and The Burning Train. <laughs> I remember as a kid watching it over and over and over again. And, and uh, but, but either way, I want you to first tell us about your life in India. We're going to come back to that. Tell us about your life in India. You know, I think... Um I was thinking about um, where do I start from? And you you said it. It's all about hospitality. Yeah. I grew up uh, mostly around my grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. It was an open door policy. Like yeah. the lane we used to live in, that was like a complete one home. It was mm-hmm. not like different homes, different doors. It was open for everybody. Mm-hmm. You're hungry, you come come in, you eat. Grandma, like obviously the elder person on the block, yeah. If they had issues, they would come like get personal counseling. Yeah. If if they if they were looking for like brides or grooms, mm-hmm. there you go. They take her along. Yeah. Or if, if they have to like uh, host somebody in the in the house, yeah. 
grandma's house would have been that house. So I grew up like in, in our block, we were all literally Hindus, Muslims, Christians, and God knows how many more um, folk culture yeah. uh, people that were living there with like different indig- indigenous uh, relationships. I mean, sorry, religions as well. Yeah, That's the environment I grew up in. And um, the more I learn about India, that's how India is. Yeah. We speak Hindi all from north to south. And mm. then we also have our different dialects. Yeah. I think that's a summary of how we live. Yeah. There is our ideologies, sure. It's yeah. very um, religious. Religious values, patriotism it runs really deep in our um, in our blood. Yeah, including Bollywood. Yes. <laughs> but other than that, we also know how to embrace each other without compromising on either. Yeah, yeah. So that's I think pretty much like having different friends, eating so many different kinds of food. Yes, amazing and food at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, during our lunch breaks, we used to sit in a circle and eat, right? Yeah. We would all open our boxes. And yeah. even if we have like a, a bite from each box, it's like you're taking a big tour of India. Yeah, yeah. That's how it was. So yeah. mostly my time has been just being happy and being around a lot of love yeah for the most part yeah yeah it's it's it sounds very much like you know Sierra Leone you know people Sierra Leone is is um according to the World Bank group and all of the the statistics online uh it's one of the poorest countries in the world but people the community uh the sense of community and togetherness uh is is so um is so apparent Hmm. and just like you said that's the same thing with us right it's all about us being together and and families Mm -hmm. you know you know how the the role that your grandmother played is similar to the Mm -hmm. role that my grandmother and and then it transferred down to my father right they someone wants to get married in our family you know what one of his uh brother's Mm -hmm. kids or sister's kids uh he was the older uh uh sibling uh left now at that point alive and so they would come to him and and seek you know make sure that they get his (laughs) blessings and he he was like the sound counsel in in, in the family. Uh, but I think yeah. my father also from a young age already had that persona about him. He was very, yeah. um, he, he was a casual, fun person, but he was also very focused and people sought out his, um, his advice all the time, whether it's people mm. he knew or he didn't know, he was all, he was all about that. And, and, and he loved company, people being around him. If you go to visit mm. our home, it would be like pulling teeth to leave because my father was all about like prolonging conversations <laughs> to keep you there. Uh, because he's just the sense of community and, and being involved was, was very, uh, was very important to him. So it's good to know, even though mm. I never made it to India, that India and, and Sierra Leone have some key um, uh, qualities that we share that are so so important, and it's something that I definitely want my children uh, to be right. uh, to be a part of. And I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back on my uh, Amar Akbar Anthony story. So President <laughs> Obama ended up going to to India, and I had a friend that traveled from the White House. Um, I wasn't selected mm-hmm. for that trip, but so that my friend ended up traveling on that. And I told him, I said, you have to go to the stores mm-hmm. where they sell movies. I don't know what India looks like or what. But you have to go to these mm-hmm. stores and you have to find me that DVD. And sure enough, he brings me back that DVD. <laughs> and you're talking about no. 20 years, probably 30 years later oh that I've seen God. this. And he brings it back and he says, I walked in and I specifically asked for it. He said, but you don't know when I mentioned the two movies, wow. all of a sudden I was an important person in the in the, in the <laughs> 
in the store because it almost seemed as though I knew mm-hmm. I was talking about. He says, it mm-hmm. gave me some, like it gave me some credibility. I said, good. See, I did you a favor. And <laughs> I I thank it. you for bringing that back for me. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, no kidding. Yes, yes. It was absolutely, it was, it was very funny. And he said, I said, yeah, I, I'm glad that you told me those were two like classics. It sounded like when I was in the store. Um, but Sister Celia, I've expressed how I returned to my faith and how grateful I am for right. Allah's blessings to return me in the first place right. to be guided because only he can guide. And today I embrace Islam and being a Muslima like never before. And inshallah, I pray for God's uh, mm. continued guidance. So I want you to Amen. enlighten me. I mean, I, I want you to enlighten me and the listeners on your journey to theology and interfaith dialogue. Mm. So um, I, when you were, when you were talking about um, our cultural similarities, I think one thing that came up for me was, um, you know, the. I mean, it's clear. I mean, I'm kind of touching on a very um, kind of a hot topic within the Muslim community as well about mm-hmm. the racist ideologies we have, right? Mm-hmm. We are brown, you're black, white. That's what, that's a reality. We all know that. It's yeah. a shame we don't talk about it, but I'm glad we at least have started talking about it. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that... Um, on my personal journey here in America as a Muslim woman, like who kept evolving as a real Muslim woman was, mm-hmm. you know, really identifying our differences and more so embracing what we really have in common. Okay. Just bear with me. It's, it, it's going to make sense. <laughs> you know, in Africa, you talked about food, right? And I talked about food. Yeah. There's sambosas, right? In yeah. Africa, the yeah. African cuisine. Yes. Yes. So Indian samosas are world famous as well. Mm-hmm. Neither, I mean, at never, at any point, it did not hit me. We are actually, Indian people are actually eating African cuisine. Yeah. The kurtas. Yeah. I watched uh, Black Panther mm-hmm. and I have like, alhamdulillah, a good amount of like diverse uh, group of friends. Yeah. That's like, Shout out to Chicago for that. Yeah, one of our sisters, yeah, one of our sisters, we were doing just like a movie review and whatnot. And she just asked, she was just expressing like, you know how Daisy as in South Asian community, why, why are Daisy saying, looking at the movie and saying, hey, um, Black Panther is wearing the kurta. Well, that's like the Indian thing. <laughs> no, how about Indians are wearing the African Look at that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah. And I'm telling you, this if <laughs> a lot of our South Asian listeners would be kind of like taken aback, like, wait, what did she just say? But that's the reality. Yeah. You go to India, there's a lot of culture that mm-hmm. is like African inspired. Who knows like which African ancestors were there? How about let's get our like DNA tested and maybe there are strands there. Like yeah. so much for saying them and us. I mean, I am like done with this this hypocritical uh, racist mentalities we yeah. have within the Muslim community saying yeah. like, no, no, Islam is good. We are all good. We don't have issues. But deep down, this is a very, it's a real problem we have. And yeah. we need to like, if we don't name it, there's no way we're going to even claim it. Yeah. So for me, like these are, Alhamdulillah, I, my, when I first came from India, mm-hmm. Chicago is where I landed. And this mm-hmm. is home for me. I've been here for about 14 years. Yeah. Can't even like, like stop counting because it's like now you're home. You don't even want to like, count how many years you've been living. I know. So you know, Alhamdulillah, thanks. I'm I'm so grateful for the 
the interfaith community, the Muslim yeah. community here, yeah. that have always helped me to ask these questions. Like, yeah. look at things for what they are, without yeah. being judgmental, yes. always being loving and expe- uh, accepting, and helping me learn. Yeah, having that environment of dialogue. Yeah, asking questions. Like my first dialogue experience happened at North Park Seminary, like evangelical seminary, mostly European descent, like Swedish. Uh, uh, people from Swedish uh, background, they would ask me about Islam. And mm-hmm. this is in 2005. Yeah. This is like a very new post 9-11 era. And then when I started just branching out with the major uh, Chicagoland community, I saw Muslims asking people of different faiths, different questions about the American history. Yeah, That like it kind of came in a way that I was completely being sown as a seed on this land. And yeah. I had to go through like so many different um, aspects of my own ignorance. Yeah. To like really embrace that and help myself, like commit myself to unlearn it and replace that with forever learning. Because yeah. I don't think I can ever just sit and say like, yeah, I think I get a good grasp of it. Yeah. I think that's the key. Yeah, that's the key to my journey. Personally, I feel like that's what has helped me to keep a mind open and learn a lot. Like that's what's happening now with the military culture as well. Yeah, definitely. You coming from like Muslim community, we have Middle Easterns. I mean, speaking of which, <laughs> one thing that that we always talk about is like, in terms of it, it's going back to a question um, that you asked in the beginning about Christmas and Jesus, like yeah. Salam, peace be upon him. It's a good. Um, it's a good time to talk about Jesus's ethnic background. He was brown. He was Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. And how do we um, celebrate that culture now? How much have we capitalized? Like even Islam, right? Our holidays have become more about shopping than yeah, yeah. the spirit of giving. Yeah. And even if we give, are we really being like just yeah. um, tribalistic and doing it for ours or we are living in, I am living in Chicago, right? I am living in this city. This is home. How yeah. much am I doing it for my neighbors? Yeah. Like my inner city people, yeah. my next door neighbors. We all are in a big crisis, not just the pandemic. We yeah. are in a big crisis worldwide. Like this is the era we are living in yeah. psychological warfare, all sorts of like craziness that's going on. So how much are we being humans to each other? Yeah. So for me, my story keeps evolving like that. I first started learning about my own culture, as in the Indian mm-hmm. subcontinental culture. Then learning about, I'm not going to say America, but the the, the culture of uh, ethnic culture in, in the city of Chicago. Yeah. Learning about, from there, I started understanding about the global politics, the American history, the civil war. Now, at this point, now that I'm getting into military, yeah. it's a whole another world. It's like, yeah, it wow, yeah. there's another bridge that needs to be built because yeah. we have so many misconceptions as well. Of course, there's a lot of truth to what we, as in like the global community, has experienced. Mm-hmm. I'm mostly talking about the Middle East. Yeah. And I live in Chicago. Like We have predominantly Arab community too, Arab-Palestinian community. Yeah. And I have like very close Jewish friends as well. And mm-hmm. the Israel-Palestine um, issue is like, it's not hidden it's not something that nobody knows of so navigating with all of this and being still authentic in my uh, service as a soldier as an airman now yeah it's important to me so just having an open mind and learning 
and naming mm. what it is has been, um, I think, Alhamdulillah, that's been the key for me to learn and yeah. just keep journeying on this in this world that Allah has created for us in yeah. order so we may actually oh, learn about each other and yeah. know and do good. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. touched on some very good uh, points. One, uh, I, I have a guest um, uh, that, that said that, you know, we, we will always be, you know, in, at least in, in Islam, he considers us a student of knowledge, no matter how much he learns the mm-hmm. uh, the recitation of the Quran and all the hadiths and all of the, 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 the things that he plans to uh, achieve uh, in his faith, that he will forever mm-hmm. be a student of knowledge, right? Because you're always constantly learning. And, and, and that's very important, especially as we deal with the interfaith piece. We have to be able to be open and learn mm-hmm. um, about other people and take out faith, other cultures, other people, why people do what mm-hmm. they do and, and not pass judgment. And I say, just that's just them. You know, there, there's a reason mm-hmm. uh, to, to them being just them. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so kudos to you on, um, uh, in, in, in trying to, to learn as much as you can so that you can be a better, be of better service to others, mm-hmm. especially as you embark upon this journey uh, into the military. I mentioned earlier that there are a lot of misconceptions about different faiths, and I can easily say Muslims have it worse, but I also know that other religions have mm-hmm. had their fair share of unfortunate circumstances as well. Um, Allah's messengers and prophets experience a lot, far more than we deal with mm-hmm. today as Muslims, but in the same vein, the preconceived mm-hmm. notions and misconceptions about Islam and Muslims are unfortunately out there, and people actually believe their versions of who we are. Now, I was also privileged to travel with Vice President Pence to Auschwitz, Poland, and I got to see what the Nazis did to the Jews back in the 1940s. Now, this is a place where almost one million Jews were killed. So clearly Mm -hmm. history tells us, and now our day-to-day shows us that interfaith etiquette and religious competency is very, very much needed in the world today. I shouldn't feel isolated because I wear a hijab or I go out. I, I shouldn't feel a certain way because somebody assumes something because they, they lack the knowledge and, and the education. And I and I, I talk about it later on as, as we continue this dialogue that mm-hmm. I have to be the best representation of a Muslim woman to help educate mm-hmm. people. Why It's one thing to say something to people to teach them about the faith, but how I carry mm-hmm. myself also matters, right? I can't say mm-hmm. this is all it is to be a Muslim and then five seconds later, I'm telling a lie, I'm swearing, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. drinking alcohol, I'm doing, you know, sure. I, I can't, right? It's, 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 it's mixed messages mm-hmm. there. So, um, so one thing I want to ask you is uh, about the interfaith etiquette. What is it that you want us to know about interfaith etiquette and what mistakes do you see most of us make every day as it relates to dealing with people that are quote unquote different than we are mm. yeah <laughs> and as i said like it's been a journey about at least a decade here in america trying to navigate this new new environment right yeah i think what i a simple advice i can give or something that i've understood i can share is let's just look at ourselves as humans not somebody who bear this flag of an entire civilization, an entire um, religion with its history, how about we start looking at ourselves as humans? And then we do the same thing with other people. You look at the human in front of you. You know you're not perfect as a Muslim. I mean, anybody, if we just look in a mirror and we say, oh yeah, 
I know everything about Islam. It's practically not possible. I'm not yeah. an expert at everything because yeah. I cannot be a jurist. Yeah. I cannot be a muhaddith. I cannot be um, a, um, somebody who's memorized the Quran. Yes. It's impossible. I cannot be a legal expert. It's not possible. But what do I know about myself? That, you know, yeah. perhaps I have a conviction about certain beliefs, religious, cultural, what have you. Yeah. Same thing with other people. We all are dealing with difference and especially about america i would say it's it's a place and as much as i've seen it please help me if i'm uh, getting this somewhat incorrect people from all sorts of countries are here mm-hmm. yeah if you're living in like metro metropolitan cities like yeah. chicago i mean you washington, know washington dc yeah yeah exactly yeah. i was like yeah we all are trying to like we feel this land to be our home Yeah. And we're all trying to lay down our roots. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to do the same thing. It's not nobody's out here to get another person. Yeah. Right? It's, so how about we start looking at ourselves like that, keeping yeah. it really real, being yeah. kind towards ourselves, and then look at the other person as you witness God in them. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be like cheesy here, but that's basically what it comes down to. As Muslims, that's what like if you cannot be an expert on everything but here's what we've been asked to do by rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam even yeah. in quran right yeah i shouldn't have said even in quran like rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam never really said anything that that allah didn't, uh, didn't ask him to yeah. say mm-hmm. right yeah if you you know you're the best version of yourself then you are surrendering to god and what does that mean does it just mean on the outside yeah it actually means being open in in yourself so so uh, humbly that you let god work through you yeah so one example like god becomes the sight with which you see yeah god operates predominantly god is rahma yeah. complete complete compassion yes so the least you can do is when you look at somebody see can you look past all those filters and yeah. can you still love this person like yeah. just like that yeah like Rahma, right? That's the named after. I mean, our uh, the woman's womb is named after that yeah. name, Raham, yeah. which is it's dark. It's a place that does not have light in there. Yeah, and it's very nurturing. It's yeah. protecting. Yes, yes. So you you don't know what's in there, but you're feeding off of your own blood. Yeah. Yeah. Can we do that to our people? Like literally, we these are our people. And if you want to be, if you want to get like a little more Islamic about this. This whole ummah is like the whole community, humankind mm-hmm. is the ummah, the community of Rasulullah. Yeah, we are two types: one who uh, accepted the call and one who's been invited. We yeah. are still the ummah of Rasulullah. Yeah. So if we can start looking at each other just like that as humans, yeah, I think most of our issues will go away. And it, I mean, every time if we, if I try to like judge somebody or snap my judgments on them. How about just take a moment? They could also do that to me. Yes, I wear a hijab. Yeah. I could be like, so I'm a man. I'm, yeah. I'm having a beard, or yeah, if yeah. I, maybe I'm not even have a beard. I have um, shaved off, clean shaved, right? And yeah. I'm a sister who does not wear a hijab, and yeah. I'm like quote unquote, like I do makeup. I have all these, like my hair is done. I'm like pretty. You yeah. look at me like some of us call each other hippies. Yeah. Can we still love each other? Yeah. Like that's who you are, though. That's who you are, brother. Like these are our journeys, and why do we have to somehow like take on God's role, yeah. trying to judge to people? judge people? That's not our. It's not our role. Yeah, that's we're humans, and we're just supposed to be like loving others, like you want to be loved. Period. Yeah, 
It's, it goes back to the golden rule, right? You know, you treat others as you would like to be treated. So if you don't want to be judged, then why would you be judging uh, someone else? But it's interesting, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going on a tangent for a second here. Um, yeah. It's interesting as we talk about judgment within in, in interfaith, right, against people that aren't yeah. like us or, or, you know, you're, you're different than me for whatever it is, right? You're a different faith than mm-hmm. I am. But it's also interesting that we also cast judgment within our own faiths, right? You made an example oh, yeah. here about, you know, a hijab. And I, and I think of it sometimes that some of the women um, um, that wear hijabs in, in Islam and the others that don't, we still sort of kind of, you know, there's some judgment, there's some thought, there's something in our heads when we mm-hmm. meet we meet them because there's an expectation in our heads. And I didn't wear the hijab mm-hmm. until a year ago and my, my father passed away. And uh that's mm-hmm. when I started wearing the hijab. And um and that was that that's that's a me, you know. I started to embrace my faith, not just inwardly, but outwardly, right? I wanted to be um I, I wanted to embrace the entire process of it. Before I was already a Muslim, I was born and raised as a Muslim. I'm I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do to a degree, not as much as I should have. Um, but for me, the hijab completed me, right? It completed that that part of me or completed the start of my new, my journey. Let me, let me say that, right. It got me to get yeah. started on, on the journey. And so judgment is a very big uh, concern as it relates to faith or as it relates to race, um, uh, as it relates to, you know, rich and poor and all across um, our society, like the, the, the mingling of our society, there's a lot of just judgment uh, uh, going on. But one thing that I find very impressive and just elated is you mm-hmm. being the first Muslima to serve as a chaplain in the military. Now, for our listeners, I want to get you excited about this as well. I'm, I'm just beyond excited. Mm-hmm. I served for 23 years mm-hmm. in the military uh, as mm-hmm. a Muslim, and there were mm-hmm. only male Muslim chaplains back then. We had several women Christian chaplains, but we never had a woman Muslim chaplain. Now, that's not just for the army. I am talking about across the United States armed forces. So Sister Saliha Jabin, mm-hmm. a woman from mm-hmm. India, is the first Muslima chaplain in the entire United States military. Now, talking about shattering glass ceilings, that's breaking down barriers. That's just monumental and truly heartwarming. One for me to see a Muslima in uniform wearing the hijab and to have you represent and serve as a reminder for other Muslimas serving in the military is absolutely remarkable. You are somebody that I wish I had in my 23 years of service uh, because you do, you will serve as a reminder and encouragement to women like myself that were in, that were kind of, you know, I just want to fit in. I don't want to bring any attention. So I'm just going to go. I know I need to pray right now, but I don't want to ask my supervisor. This is when I was enlisted. I don't want to ask my supervisor if I could, you know, if I mm. could pray. I don't want to ask for time. It's Friday. Everybody's busy. Should I ask to go uh, and offer Juma prayers? Should I, mm. oh, we're going to the field. Is it, should I ask about, you know, uh, Ramadan? And, you know, so, mm-hmm. so, but having somebody like yourself to make it easier to advocate uh, on my behalf would have been uh, helpful. But most importantly, you would have served as a reminder that, no, you don't need to be worried or hesitant about that. Look, she's doing it. You can do it. So I mm-hmm. want to know, even though you haven't like gone into it yet, but the, but it's still starting to settle in, mm-hmm. right? How does it feel to be a trailblazer in your journey of faith in the military? You're the first, the first. <laughs> How does that feel? 
Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah, God bless you. You've been very, very, very kind. Um, it's it's really humbling just to receive this kind of love and I don't deserve any of that respect. SubhanAllah, I'm just like anybody else. I also have my journey, right? And I just happen to be that first person. So I feel like the first thing for me is I'm carrying a lot of trust from my community. It's it's an amana. There's there's yes. a lot riding on on this hijab, I guess. That's how I look at it for <laughs> yes. the moment. Yes. yes. <laughs> so at this moment, but even before I uh, del- delve into, I first um, want to just uh, say, may God have mercy on your um, late father and Amen. Amen. just embrace him and accept him in the highest of ranks and fill his grave and his afterlife with a lot of light. And may you all be, then all of us get um, get back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be reunited and be in in the closest proximity to Rasulullah sallallahu You are a testimony of your father. So I'm, um, I, I pray that every single second you spend of your life in goodness brings him even more so light over there and news of uh, great delight over there mm-hmm. so my condolence to you on that uh, and may, may me and your family be embraced with love and light in this world and the akhira so um coming back to this this whole being the first woman uh, as a muslim woman to be a chaplain in across the od so here's what this everything comes down to right when i was in army as a reservist i i had my i may in interreligious dialogue that was the whole decision I took going away, like turning away from MBA that I initially came to America to um, pursue because I answered the call that people don't know about my religion. And perhaps I don't know much about my religion in a manner that I would like to share with other people. So I've gone through that journey and now it's a time for me where I felt like America's home. So I chose to um, serve in the armed forces to become a citizen. So when I started, my first question to my recruiter was like, um, if you don't let me wear the hijab, I don't think I'm going to do it. So yeah. do you do you think this is going to work out? He was like, yeah, army, military is changing. We can always put an exception and what have you. I was like, okay, I know like putting in an application doesn't mean you'll get it. So I'm yeah. just saying till the end, I might get accepted as an enlisted person. But then if the hijab waiver doesn't come through, then I'm, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. it right now. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Good for you. Good for you. That's how it started, sister. Yeah. That's how you. it started. And I went into um, Army Reserve over there. People, like, they wanted to learn about the religion, but they didn't know much because they, ha- they didn't have any, like, yeah. visibly Muslim, like, yeah fearless muslim who are like you know okay you and i are hungry what do we do we look for food we just step out Uh, do we apologize for being hungry do we apologize for the kind of food we like that's the basic thing right so i'm hungry for a prayer why am i going to be apologetic i just have to be communicating it with people yeah without a play like without fear yeah. That's that's just been my mantra all along. That's how Mama raised us too, right? Yeah. Like if you want to do things, you gotta be able to communicate and do it. Yes. What are you uh, afraid of? Yeah. That's where it started off from for me in the military, yeah. and then soon enough I realized, like, oh my God, there are no guys around. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sorry, there are only guys around, and for yeah. counseling and everything, I don't have a woman. I don't have a sister. Like yeah. I'm okay, even if it was like a Christian sister, Jewish sister, Hindu sister, yeah. anybody. Yeah. Even uh, like uh, just people who are um, 
spiritual, I was going to take it. But yeah. being in counseling and being vulnerable with another um, person of another gender, that's even now, like psycho- psychological studies have proven that it's a different kind of safe space you have when you are yeah. around the person like of, of the same gender. Yeah. So for that. me, it was like, oh my God, at so many levels, there's a big need. And why is nobody doing anything? Yeah. I was like, well, I guess if I need one, then I have to become one because at least I'll be able to freely stand up and say like, okay, it's time for me to pray now. It's time for me to eat halal yeah. food when we go out for our, on our field. Yeah, yeah. And when you're having a certain test, like Islamic modesty, like yeah. you want to be able to communicate that because nobody knows that. We're yeah. mission-oriented. People are already thinking about a lot of things. This is another thing, like yeah. if they don't know it, why would they even consider it? doesn't mean that they're mm-hmm. against you. Yeah, they yeah. just don't know they just don't how know. to um, yeah, yeah. consider that. Yeah. Right. So those things were coming in my mind and I expressed that with my chaplain and like, God bless him. He just like, oh my God, this is great. How about you just start taking your own class? That started from there. The, the commander um, of our um, unit and then the brigade commander, all of them, they came together like, yeah, we're all about promoting um, interreligious and intercultural um, competencies here. So why not? This is great. They encouraged me as a, somebody who, quote unquote, stood out. Yeah. They celebrated that. Yeah. So it ended up happening like we went to mosque twice in these two years because we would have like in reserve three days sometimes of drill um, work days that would include uh, Friday as well. So instead of just Saturday, Sunday throughout the year, every month, some months will have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I just like, okay, you guys have, you have given me uh, opportunity to go along with my, some of my soldiers, Muslim soldiers to go and pray. You know what? I'll keep it open for anybody else who would like to come and learn about the culture just yeah. to see like how many of us are going to actually go and be in a mosque and be comfortable out, uh, out there by yeah. yourself. Yeah. So invited them and then Alhamdulillah, the mosque leadership was also good. They were very hospitable. So they got to come, they got to visit and slowly these things just kept being like, I felt like, wow, it, it's all these misconceptions about fear and everything in our heads yeah. have like stopped us. Yeah. They could have been like, sure, they were true at one point and they still bear truth in certain um, situations. Yeah. But that's not it's not black and white. You know, yeah. there are a lot of people out there just hesitant to go in a new space. Just like I would be hesitant to go in a new space that I've never been in. I was hesitant when I stepped in on my base. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I have no idea what's what going to happen. That. Yeah, me. yeah, definitely. <laughs> Getting out of that 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 comfort zone. <laughs> that's that's yeah. definitely. So, like if you know that you can protect the person that you're taking by just being with them, that's enough. Knowing that you're not alone is the biggest gift anybody can give to anyone. That's yeah. what Allah does to us by sending all these messengers and everybody, yeah. right? That we're yeah. not by ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. we have these role models. Yeah. If they went through the hardship, which means your hardship is not a curse. Yes. It's the path. Yes, yes. So that's the same thing that happened to me too. Like I just started looking for companionship, became companionship to other people. And here we are. Things started happening. Like when you, you know, Justice uh, Ginsburg just passed away. I was reading her books and everything. And the first woman, uh, Justice, um, I forget her name. She said, if women want to be celebrated, then you want to be known. And you can't be known if you don't like show yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. So for me, that was like, 
that's great. Like, yeah. that's real, right? What yeah. you don't see, you don't, like, sometimes don't it's you know. easy to forget yeah, that yeah. it exists. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very and true. And somehow, yeah. yeah, some rumors will always take precedence and, like, they will always have the dominant um, narrative that, oh, women are not supposed to be here. Yeah. They don't belong here. Yeah. So, but in our silence, in our absence, we are somehow supporting their misconstrued conception. Yeah. Misconceptions. Yeah. Right? So I was like, okay. I just started showing up, like, ISMA conference with my hijab and uniform. And then yeah. the um, president, vice president of ISMA, they looked at me like, oh, my God, they were, like, celebrating. Like, yeah. What is happening? What yeah. are you doing, sister? And then I expressed, like, yeah, I'd like to be a chaplain. And they're like, yeah, let's let's do this. Yeah. ISMA has been a pioneering uh, um, organization at so many different levels. They just took it on. Yeah. They endorsed me. And subhanAllah, it just became so easy versus what I've been told even before I started applying like oh my god it's never gonna it's happen never been, yeah yeah what are you gonna I mean it was ridiculous just to hear the question like how are you going to go serve all men and my yeah. question was how are these male Muslim chaplains serving the women when, yeah. of faith in the military yeah yeah I'll serve just like that yes yes and I'm doing I'm, and I'm doing God's work point. I mean it's it, it should it should be a natural Period. Uh, natural process, and I think um, service members are seeking out pastoral care because they want it, mm. right? It's not just because right. oh, I'm gonna go. It's got as you said, you're you, you seek food because you're hungry. You go get it, right? And I think it's the same yeah. thing. Everyone doesn't come and just chat with the chaplain just to chat with the chaplain. They they are chatting with the yeah. chaplain because they need the chaplain. And so, Alhamdulillah, and may right. may Allah guide you on this journey of faith in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Muslim chaplain, you'll be offering counseling and provide pastoral care to non-Muslims because, as you know, military chaplains and chapels are seen as non-denominational and you, and you should be able to accommodate to all, all faiths. So how are you yeah. preparing to approach the non-Muslim airmen who may not be open to receiving pastoral assistance from a Muslim woman or from a Muslim sure, period? I am- Right. I, I've thought about this and I've been thinking a lot about this. And now I've just like embraced the fact that, you know, everybody has their own journey. Yeah. We need to be respecting each other. We need to be loving each other to wait for them or let them go find another place of help. Yes. Not being like pushy or overbearing on other people. Yeah. It's like, no. And that's the whole golden rule in military as well. Either you provide or yeah. you... um it's like either you lead or you provide. It's like, yeah. if I can help you, I'll help you. Otherwise, I'll find sources but, that yeah, can help you. Definitely. But at the end of the day, what is it? If I care for you, I want to make sure that your pain somehow gets eased. Yes. Whether yes. I, I become a source or there's somebody else. Yeah. Let's just make sure we're not leaving you behind. Yeah, that's that's a very that's a very key thing. Uh, it's one of the things that uh, I... I embrace uh, and this journey that I'm on, um, you know, in the, in the podcasting business, like, well, I, I, I'm going to promote other people's podcasts that are doing, you know, things that are of interest uh, to to uh, the population, the audience that I'm targeting. It's not that, oh, no, no, you have to only tune into me. That's the only place you can get the information. You know, that's yeah. not that's not what this is about. Uh, but what it what, what's interesting about the question I asked is that um, as mm-hmm. a Muslima in the in the army, I didn't seek non-Muslim chaplain pastoral care. Um, so maybe I'm part of the problem. I, I thought that, you know, not that I 
thought, but I, I only went to the Muslim chaplains and I was fortunate out of the three uh, military bases that I, that I have been stationed at, um, not counting the White House as a military base, but the three places I was stationed at, I, two out of the three had um, male Muslim chaplains. And so I would go to them and I didn't necessarily have reasons per se, but it was more, you know, for the Juma prayer on, on base or when mm. my, my children are born, uh, I distinctly remember them coming to the hospital sure. uh, to, to be part of that that process to to, sure. call, to do that down in the in the in the baby's ears. So uh, they were very involved in our lives, but I never really sought um, a non-Muslim chaplain. But I think that your background in education and interfaith uh, is going mm-hmm. to be received well, and it gives you the so-called credibility that 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 they may need to trust your pastoral mm-hmm. care. Because what's one of the things that Love some me. people are so hesitant to talk to somebody of a different faith um, is yeah. that they worry that somebody's trying to convert them, right? When you start talking, right. they think, oh, no, no, I don't want to go talk to her because I don't want, I, I just don't want to be converted. I'm not trying to do that. I just right. want to get help with this thing. And so having, I, I think if I had to give an advice on this piece, it would be definitely promoting the fact that you, uh, about your interfaith, right? Your relationships mm-hmm. with all faiths, religions, people, um, I, I think that will really, really help sell. And I think when you get there and they announce that they have a new chaplain, I think it's important uh-huh. that that part is brought up, not the fact that you're a Muslim, okay. cha- you know, you are a Muslima, but okay. the fact that you, uh, you know, your journey to this place has come from an interfaith background where you've served in those communities and, and everybody, once you say Chicago, everybody mm-hmm. will get it at that point. But, uh, but I think, uh, I think it's very interesting that they, or very important that in your bio, uh, as long as when you're in the military, passing it around or people are trying to okay. introduce you to capitalize on the interfaith background, the education that you bring to it, uh, because I think that eases, uh, some could, could ease some concern, uh, for, for people that are very, um, committed mm-hmm. to their faith. And they think that, oh, well, if I talk to her, then that means I'm getting information about her faith, how her faith will handle it versus how my faith will handle it, even though we're all serving the same God. Right. Mm-hmm. So so just a little, mm-hmm. a little piece, of, yeah, piece of advice yeah. there. Um, so as a Muslima and immigrant new to the military chaplain corps. How has your journey been thus far? So you've given us that. Actually, you've already answered that question because you've told me that yeah. you've gotten a lot of good support. Uh, everyone rallied yeah. behind you to get you to this place. Yeah. And 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 again, that's talking about God's God's work, right? Because he makes it easy because it is destined for you to be that way. Doesn't necessarily mean that when mm. you're tried, it's not destined for you. It's just trial is all mm. part of our lives. So it is very good to hear that you had a lot of support mm. um, and, and folks motivating you, encouraging you, even maybe at times where you doubted the process itself, that they, you know, they put themselves out there to ensure that you could get to this to this point and talking about a time where we really really need this in the military and I hope that the other services catch on to this as well um, and be able to replicate what the Air Force has has, has just done um, but from your mm-hmm. limited experience on getting started what advice would you give a Muslim service member who may be interested in pursuing the chaplain role as well off the bat stop thinking that you have to be some kind of an expert, like a hundred percent know-it-all in order to even start applying for a chaplain's role. No, you need to pray. You need to ask Allah. You need to do istikhara mm-hmm. and then receive counsel from Allah and then mm-hmm. follow the path. It's not about you. It's about Allah. 
every individual story is actually Allah's story revealing itself through humans. Yeah. So let that happen. Don't be a barrier. Be like water. Keep flowing. Yeah. If you were supposed to reach somewhere, Allah will take you. Yes. Don't become your worst enemy and trust. Trust in Allah. Trust that conviction that he's given you. Yeah. Allah, let's, let's go for it. Yeah, I, that's what I would say for anything, whether it be the chaplain role or any kind of decision, small or big, that you would want to take in your life. That's what I would say. That's yeah. that's been basically the cornerstone of my life. Oh, yeah. That's that's good. There's somebody, inshallah, that probably thinks that they can't do it and will see you and, and say, oh, I, I can do this. And and um, uh, very, very happy that you will be able to be that represent um or reminder for someone encouragement for someone who is very uh you know whether they are very well versed with their faith or into their faith but, but this is what they want to do but thought they couldn't do it uh so good that you're able to serve as a reminder it's another thing that i cherish a lot and in all the things the different roles that i filled it oh you're the first this you're the first that you're first this and i look at it as mm-hmm. no this is just this is just uh I'm the first one to, to, to walk this path because there are many more that are going to come after me. I've just demonstrated that you can do it, right? Don't be scared to apply to a program. Don't be scared to go and spot. Don't, don't, don't hesitate. If it's what you want to do, you go and do it. I'm just one mm-hmm. of the people that first got to walk it. Doesn't mean, and you're going to be far better than I am as the person that's coming behind right. me because you get to see all right. the mistakes I did, right. I did make right. along the way. So, um, right. so that's, that's good. I'm, 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 I'm very, very excited about you being a trailblazer in in this regard because faith is just so important to me um and and mm. to be able to and I, and I'm going to be following you very closely uh not in, not in a stockish kind of way but just necessarily <laughs> to follow to, to keep up with you um because I, I I need I need somebody like you to to keep me um not necessarily to keep me focused because uh uh mashallah that God has is, is working is 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 working in my life and I'm grateful to that but I, I still struggle with with you know my, my father's past and still struggle with that and mm. and and I, I do need to to sit and talk with again because I don't seek out non-Muslim <laughs> counselors mm-hmm. or pastoral care so definitely mm-hmm. would be interested to to stay connected with you uh, on that but um, as a chaplain one of your roles is to advocate for service members to the military leadership as it relates to religious accommodations and I know sometimes mm-hmm. getting military leadership to understand and accommodate Muslims especially in the month of Ramadan as it relates to like physical mm-hmm. fitness or field training exercises can be a bit challenging, right? Because they want accountability. I want everybody to show up so that we could, you know, do our PT test or physical fitness test. Um, And so there will be a few challenges that you will face in your role advocating for Muslim service members. Um, And and it's not just the Ramadan thing. It's about also, you know, eating the halal foods, right? The the dining facility doesn't necessarily accommodate that. And so how do we make sure that they are, you know, they get their, their, whatever it's called now. It's, it used to be, it's the, it's called BAS. It's the rations that they give you every month to right. be able to eat, right? Uh, to make sure that they qualify, that they get that. And then that goes kind of through you to advocate for them to, to be able to not be mandated to eat in the dining facility because you live in the barracks, but to be able to give mm-hmm. them the money to go and, and get food so that they can eat uh, the halal foods as, as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my small advice in that is you never compromise yourself in this process. Right, you're going to be fighting. Uh, in some cases, it may be an uphill battle. In some cases, it may just be that you know, again, lack of knowledge. That oh, I didn't know that we needed to do that. Uh, but 
but you never compromise yourself, your role, and you do all you can to ensure that you do not lose the trust of the airmen. Because as a chaplain, it's almost as, mm-hmm. as having a your psychiatrist, your psychologist, your social worker, right? You trust them with everything and you do mm-hmm. not want to know uh, as a service member that the chaplain is, is actually... Um, not necessarily on the side of the leadership. I'm not going to use that word on the side, but the chaplain is not advocating for me as as he or she should um, and are just allowing the leadership to sort of make decisions when we know that I need this accommodation uh, so that I can remain uh, steadfast upon my faith. I've been truly blessed, to be honest, uh, uh, throughout my military career as it relates to faith, uh, from physical fitness tests being delayed because it fell in a month of Ramadan. I remember one year, I think mm. I was in Iraq and uh, uh, and, and it was October. Uh, this was in, mm. in 2000, um, I think it was 2005 or 2006, can't remember. Um, but mm. it, the, the, the PT test, the physical fitness test fell in that month, but we're also fasting in that month. And my leadership okay. were just fine with, no, 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 we'll just push it. We'll just push it to November. You, I mean, you can't do it. That's, that's fine. Uh, mm. To even getting the few hours on a Friday to attend Juma prayers, uh, accommodating my meal plans, like I was saying, to get the, the call right. it a stipend so that I didn't have to eat in the dining facility when I was just a, a, a private, uh, living in the barracks, um, and, and to make sure that there's accommodations when we went out to the field. So I know everyone's experience is, is, is not quite the same, but I encourage mm-hmm. military Muslims and Muslimas to remain steadfast and don't forgo your faith because it's difficult. This is, this is part of it, right? We, we, the, the jihad al-nas, we have to struggle. There's a struggle in the path of Allah and it may be a difficult journey, but as long as you remain true to yourself and not compromise, inshallah, it will get easier. During my time in the military, I held on to some of the things in relation to my faith. Uh, but unfortunately, I let go of, of one of the most important things, and that was offering my five daily prayers. I, I You know, I didn't, I, I, again, because it was, it, you, as you said, you, you're, you're scared to speak up, right? Now, this is when I was enlisted. When I became an officer, it was a different story at that point. Yeah, I just said, no, yeah. I, I have to do it. I just have to do it, right? But I think it's a little mm-hmm. different. And, and when you're enlisted, you're thinking of your team. You're thinking of, oh, yeah. does it look like I'm trying to, you know, pull a fast one? You are creating yeah. the judgments and misconceptions that people may not even have or even know, but you're creating mm-hmm. them yourself. And so uh, I, unfortunately, there are things, the Ramadan, the, the, the Friday prayers I did, but the the five daily prayers, it was always like, ah, I, I need, I need the 10 minutes to pray. You know, it's one o'clock now it's, it's four o'clock. And I was one of those that, that let go of that. And I pray for, for Allah's forgiveness for that. Um, and that I, that, that mm-hmm. today he continues to, to rightly, uh, guide me, uh, inshallah, mm-hmm. we'll have you back on the show though, to give us an update of your personal journey and the challenges <laughs> that you may or may not face, uh, as a Muslima mm-hmm. in the military. But since you haven't started your role yet as a chaplain, From a somewhat outsider perspective, what, if Mm -hmm. anything, you think the military could improve upon as it relates to interfaith and religious freedom? Like, I mean, obviously, like you said, I don't have much, but I literally feel like there's a lot improving. Mm -hmm. The little bit that I, from my experience, I've seen is we don't put ourselves out there. So we don't get known. And like, we have a lot of Muslim chaplains right now, but somehow only like one or two get noticed as an interfaith advocate. Why is that? Is Does that mean others are not capable? No, yeah. they are. But somehow like we shy away. And it kind of yeah. comes back to this whole thing that you talked about being a private and the fear that we have in our in ourselves. Yeah. It's like, it's the devil's whispers that tells us you're not good enough or you're not qualified enough seeing like it holds you back. Yeah. What I've learned from my teachers is 
anything that like inspires you and then holds you back is the devil. Yeah. Inspiration and going forward comes from God. Yeah. And anything that stops you, like holds you back, doubts you, makes yeah. you have all these self-doubts and unnecessary, overcomplicated dialogue that goes on in our heads. Yeah. That's the devil. So breaking those barriers and just being open and talking to each other. Yeah. Even if you're a private, talk to your squad leader, your sergeant, yeah. anything. Yeah. Just talk because they want to hear from you. Yeah. And um um I kind of like circling back to being the first person. The, the I think Hmm. what I really believe and understood at this point is I am not the first person. It's just that there's been a long, long gap before a Muslim woman stepped into a a leadership role in a religious capacity, right? That's how I look at it. Fine, the Department of Defense, but I am not the first person who expressed the will. I stand on a lot of shoulders and I'm just a link. And the other women who are going to come later on, they are part of the link. Yeah. That, that that's just how I look at it and the key over here is to surround yourselves with the community Yeah, local community with, via internet, writing letters if you don't have access to like calling or internet just have some sort of companionship yeah. if we keep ourselves isolated that's it, doom is for sure nobody can save us from that that's the work of a devil if we just give in to loneliness we're surrendering to this whole aspect of negativity yeah. So when it comes to back, come back to your like question about what can military do, I think military has set up a lot. I mean, you know it for sure from your experience. Maybe you can help me clarify better on this answer. There are a lot of resources for us, like moral development, psychological yeah. help, chaplaincy mm-hmm. services. They're all yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a matter of like really um, just making it accessible. Yeah. Being more like this, this divide about of, uh, between these officers and enlisted force. Yeah. Like once they say like if you're becoming an officer, you're going to the dark. The side. dark side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's that is at all from what I see. Very small amount of time I've spent in service. Yeah. That needs to like without um, foregoing any regulations and the the on the the whole morale. There's a reason for this. The kind of divide that we have. Yeah. But it cannot be like black and white it can be day and night there mm. has to be a way where we can promote these services making it inviting appealing to people who are like not in foreign court like official like as an officer a leadership roles but have access to these amazing resources yeah. like i can be posted somewhere but then if our enlisted uh, airmen are not really from within the ranks like yeah. um the sergeants or what have you yeah. help them not really uh, promoting this idea of go seek help like yeah. in a positive light yeah they won't come and get it yeah and as as our officers we need to be able to like like one of the um uh, chaplains in their basic uh chaplain course ceremony their advice was well the sergeant advice is like don't be afraid of getting the the hydraulic uh um fluid on your boots get them dirty become a part of the airman life yeah don't just sit in your um chapel and try to serve yeah. from there yeah get on the field so it has to be both the ways i yeah. feel like we have the resources let's just make it available from yeah. both the ways let's yeah. walk towards each other yeah that- while maintaining the the decor 
Um, I was now a Sergeant E5 is when I was in uh, an organization where there was another Muslim, uh, I think for the first time now in my career that I'm actually in a same company with, uh, with a Muslim. And he was a, uh, he was a staff sergeant at the time. And he was the one that actually got me, you know, squared away on, on, mm-hmm. you know, going to see the chaplain, getting the, the, the stipends that you could eat off, you know, Perfect. making, making sure that you can attend the Juma prayers. And he became like an advocate. We didn't have a Muslim chaplain, obviously in my battalion, but there was one on the base mm-hmm. itself. And he, he was the one that did all of that stuff. And I thought, oh my God, where is this yeah. guy? been? And so he then yeah. gave me the, my voice, like I got my voice back from that moment. And so from that point on, until I, uh, uh, retired from the military, every organization I showed up, I'm like, no, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to. And, and there was no, Mm -hmm. there was no pushback, but I think I didn't have a voice in the beginning because you just, this, this dire need to fit in because the military Mm -hmm. culture is such a team, you know, fitting in culture that, you know, some of us uh, may not be as vocal to, to, to speak out on that. But um, Mm -hmm. we, as, as people should always be open to learning and educating ourselves, especially on culture, religion, worldly affairs. And we need to stop with the assumptions, the misconceptions and the judgment. Um, and, and one thing that I always say when, 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 when people see me wearing a hijab, see you wearing a hijab and dressing mm-hmm. modestly and prioritizing our prayers and our faith, don't assume that we are oppressed. Don't assume that we are radical. Instead, I want us to serve as an encouragement that they see us as complete, to see our peace, to see our steadfastness upon God's path and encourage Mm -hmm. others to join us in this completeness, in this peace and in this journey of faith, not judge us. So we have Mm -hmm. talked uh, about faith, which is an absolute priority of mine in in this platform. But by now, you and others out there know I have a few global health and African issues that I'm beyond passionate mm. about. I'm, I'm hoping that I won't go on a rant. I've done pretty good so far. I haven't gone on a rant yet on, on, on this great. episode. I normally do. Uh, so with, with so what global issue do you feel strongly about? And and it doesn't have to be health related, but, but what's a global issue that you feel strongly about, very passionate about? Okay, this one global issue that I feel strongly about, it's kind of intertwined to some others as well. But the main thing is about psychological well-being, mental health. Once a person is making that a priority, like going to the gym is looked upon and celebrated. But why is um, going to get some counseling therapy is kind of like stigmatized, right? If I cannot take care of my own mental health, my emotional well-being, yeah. I will be a disaster in terms of my personal relationships, my professional um, efficiency, like gender violence, sexual abuse, domestic violence, all sorts of this, this abuse and uh, assault that happens. the, The roots are very deep. And the beginning is let's go get some help for us as individuals while making sure that our cultural sensitivities are being respected. Yes. Definitely. There Um, has to be diverse populations serving diverse populations. Yeah, definitely. I think that's my, that's where my heart is. Yeah. 
No, I agree. And, and it's, it's interesting because this is the month where we actually uh, have a few mental health uh, discussions uh, because in the mm-hmm. culture that I am from, and it may be similar uh, in, in India as well, um, it, mm-hmm. mental health is just a thing we don't even like address. We don't talk about. We pretend right. as if it doesn't exist. And and there's so many facets to the mental health, as you're saying, the, the, the violence, there's substance use, there's, you know, yeah. there's so many other, there's there's actual, you know, schizophrenia and all these other things that are happening yeah. that, that we, there's depression, right? I, I think of the, you know, yeah. the depression that I went through with my father's passing. And if I was in Sierra Leone during that time, and granted, I didn't seek care here either, but if I was in Sierra yeah. Leone, I wouldn't have a person to go and sit with mm-hmm. and say, I, I, I'm really struggling. I'm depressed. I, I don't know what this feel. I've never had this feeling before, but I feel the lowest low in my life mm. and I, I need mm. to talk to someone. Um, I, I, I'm certain that I would have connected with, uh, an imam. I'm sure I would have done that, but I, but I wouldn't have gotten mm-hmm. the, the, um, educational professional help that I, that I do need. Right. So I agree that, that mental health is an issue. And I do agree that, um, that we have to make sure that the treatment, plan or the, the, the conversation, um, with the treatment provider matches the person, right? The right population, because if yes. not, you end up with a treatment yes. that's not conducive to the patient. Right. And so, no. and so we don't get it's any better. Harm. Yes. Yes. We, we don't get any better. Right. And I'm constantly coming to visit you and then, and then it turns for the worse. So, um, I'm definitely right. excited to hear that, that you, 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 the mental health, not excited about the mental health issue, but, but happy yeah, to yeah, hear yeah. that people from the communities that we grew up in, actually prioritize that mental health is an issue and we're raising awareness about it. Um, I, I, I talk about it in, in an episode, um, uh, that's, that's airing in October about men slow. We talk about it a little bit and we were thinking about it. I spoke about it with a, uh, with a, a guy from, from Ghana, um, because we say the same thing. Yeah. Africa just suffers from this. And we said, we need to put together a panel of sorts to talk about mental health issues, um, mm-hmm. in these countries that are developing countries where we, we just turn a blind eye. We don't have the infrastructure to support it uh, to begin yeah. with. Um, and, and we, we couch it as something else is wrong. Oh, somebody did something. It turns into like a voodoo weird problem. Not the fact that no, 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 right. he just has right. a mental health problem. I mean, he really does. He just needs counseling. He needs, maybe he needs medication, right? So, uh, he needs a comprehensive approach sure. to his, to his problem. Um, uh, but so one of the priorities of this show is to raise awareness and we have briefly discussed interfaith. So Lieutenant Saliha Jabin, what important message would you like to share with the world as it relates to interfaith? You've shared a lot already, and I keep asking you to share more because I think it is such an important topic and problem that we face, uh, not just in the United States, but in the world over at the airports. We, you, you and I get treated a little different than other people do. And so mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. you to share an important message with the world as it relates to interfaith. Succinctly. Don't ask out of fear, fear that you may have built up in your head or fear that somehow you're experiencing through somebody else's energy. Don't act out of that assumption, what have you. Always communicate. Like You just touched upon the airport experiences. It's so easy to always look at like, oh my God, am I being looked at, stared down, whatnot. Perhaps if you look at it from their perspective, maybe that's how they're looking at everybody because that's how you're supposed to be like looking at when yeah. you are in that in that role yeah. so yes realities are there we get treated badly but that does not mean that's everything yeah. the world is not out there to get us it's with like so much um conversations everywhere with media yeah things are changing too not yeah. everybody out there is like an enemy for another person who doesn't look like them yeah so my my 
go-to advice always is for myself, beginning from myself, because if I embody that, it will have an effect in my body language and my energy. Yeah. It'll help me when I'm in those situations. Yeah. Don't work out of fear. Yeah. And having a dialogue does not somehow mean I am watering down what I believe in. Yeah. And not. And when I am hearing from you, like two Christians can be talking about two in two different ways how they look at their faith. Yeah. Accept them for who they are, because two Muslims are going to be talking about their faith in their own way. Yeah, definitely. Don't be judging. Don't try to say like, well, I'm going to figure this thing whole thing out about Christians or Jewish people or Hindus. No, or our native native people and their beliefs. I'm going to figure this out. No, just be an open book. Don't act out of fear. Don't try to put people in a box or situations in a box. Yeah. Just take it in. And um, kind of like I... Just kind of like, if it's okay, it's touching back to the whole mental health problem. Like a lot of us, not only just Muslims, we tend to spiritually bypass the issue when it happens. Like you said, like if something happens, we say voodoo. So guess what? If you're feeling low, read this uh, chapter from Quran, do some zikr. Yes. There's a place for that, but that's yeah. called spiritual bypassing. Yeah. And Rasulullah, when he was brought to Hadith by uh, uh, Angel Gabriel, about Islam, mm-hmm. Iman, and Ihsan. Well, Isan. Iman, Islam, and Ihsan. Ihsan yeah. is a part of spiritual purification. Yeah. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. And that says our psychological well-being is yeah. important. And if it means going out and seeking help, just like you get a cut, you put a Band-Aid, right? Yeah. That, there's nothing Islamic about the piece of Band-Aid. Yeah. It was a work of science. Yeah. If we can take that, why can't we take another work of science, get some psychological help, like, yeah. counseling of course do not compromise like you make sure that you eat the medicine that does not have any kind of animal substance in it yeah. that will compromise your uh religious um guidance like prescription same yeah. thing go to a counselor who can understand if they're not muslim then at least they understand and honor those values and yeah. don't like don't put you in a certain mindset that won't accommodate your islamic way of thinking yeah. so I just want to like make sure I put it out there because yeah. we we tend to like go all or nothing. Yeah, there's I, always oh, there's always room for like adjustments. We talk, we preparation process, yeah. embrace the process. Even within our faith, the highlight, mm-hmm. embrace the process. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't I, let fear be the 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 what do you call that? Don't be the, uh, don't let fear be the the bottom line for anything. Yeah, yeah. Don't let that set the tone. I, anything. I definitely I agree with you on that and uh, and as I it, we talk about the mental health thing again uh, I, as I said I, I was in this depressed state and and truly as you said dicker and reading the Quran and listening to kutbas is really what uh, got me um, in, in a decent place right I'm not a hundred percent but it but it definitely got me in a decent place and I promoted every chance I get I tell people you listen listen to kutbas I need you to read the Quran I need you to offer it I need you to do it and your prayers and and it truly it it, it made a very big difference uh, in my life uh, alhamdulillah for that um, so sister Salia before we wrap up the episode I want to give you 30 seconds or so to ask me a question or we can touch on something we may have missed um, so over to you on what you want to do um, it's it's pretty simple, and I think you helped me a lot. Even as our conversation went through, I could uh, take a lot. My only one piece would be at this point to ask, like, what is that 
one thing that you would like to offer to someone like me who's starting up that you wish somebody had offered to you in terms of like being an immigrant, a woman of color and faith, and yeah. just in these like military experiences, yeah. visibly Muslim. So any any advice that you wish you had received when you were starting? I, you know, I, I think I touched on this somewhat earlier, but, yes. but it's good that I repeat it because uh, it's very important to me and I try to share it as often as I can. And the answer is, is quite simple. Never compromise yourself in your journey and don't forget where you came from. So even though I was born in the United States, but moved to Sierra Leone when I was a, a, a young kid, small kid, uh, still in elementary school, I, I don't even think it started yet, but I was six or seven years mm-hmm. old when I moved. Um, there's not a person that has ever asked me where I am from, that I have not responded proudly that I am from Sierra Leone, West Africa. And as long as I never forget where I came from, it should always serve as a compass as I navigate my journey. We have a saying in Sierra Leone, and I'm going to say it in in, in Creole first. We have all these dialects, but sure. one of them, I'm going to say it in Creole. And the saying is that, you forona wata ton fish or alligator. And what that simply means is that you fell in the water and you turned into a fish or an alligator, meaning you quickly forgot who you were wow. before you fell wow. in the water. And now you've become part of your environment. I have remained true to myself. Mm. I've represented my home country well, and I've guarded the values my parents instilled in me. And I will never allow anybody to take that away, no matter how much I'm striving for the next position, the next this, the next that, whatever it is that I that 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 I have done the last 26 years of of of, of being here in the United States. I never compromised those things, who I am, where I'm from, and what my parents have, have instilled in me. Now I wish there was someone like you when I was in the military, again, to serve as that encouragement and reminder to keep steadfast, remain steadfast upon the deen of Allah. Um, unfortunately, I did not have that. But today, people like you and many others that I have now, mashallah, crossed paths with truly empower me to stay on the journey and to keep working hard to change the narrative of who I'm expected to be but instead be who Allah has destined me to be. And every day I embrace, I love, okay, but Allah, that is very true. Allahu Akbar, subhanAllah for that. Yeah. And every day I embrace that I'm grateful to God for my journey, the fortune and the misfortune, the laughter and the tears, the strengths, the weaknesses, and the dream just to be part of the, the, the world's solutions, right? Right now we're focused on Mother Africa and my world, but you know, to be part of the solution. Um, I hope that I answered that question somewhat correctly, but it, Again, simply put, you just never, never compromise yourself in this journey. And there are going to be so many opportunities to, to, to be able to, to, that you could potentially compromise yourself. You don't compromise yourself. You don't compromise mm-hmm. uh, where you're from. India is where you're from. And you hold on to that. And you think of the, the young girls mm-hmm. that are back there now, right? The narrative that you are mm-hmm. changing now for them by doing what you're doing. You're mm-hmm. setting an example. You're serving as a role model and, 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 and never become so much, you know, the fall in the water, turning the fish on alligator. Don't sure, fall in the sure. water and turn. You fall in the water and you continue to be Saliha, Jabin, because that's who you are and you represent more than just yourself you represent your family you represent a home country um and that is that is that's the best gift that you can give back to your people from your country. So I pray that that uh, that Allah makes this journey easy for you. It's been an absolute honor to have you mm-hmm. on the show and for your interfaith insight. It's a very topic, important topic, as I mentioned, that we definitely need some uh, attention uh, brought to. Congratulations on breaking glass ceilings and may Allah perfect our light and safeguard us from the fitna of this dunya. 
So my dear friends, God willing, this episode, I mean, I mean, my dear friends, God willing, this episode has educated us a little bit on the world of interfaith and how we can be better and improve our relationships with people that are not of our faith or just are not like us, right? The us, the them. People that don't look like us, let's just be kind. Let's follow the golden rule. Treat people the way that you want to be treated. Avoid the the judgment and the assumptions that we make about other religions. Stop t- stereotyping. Uh, and I pray that we all cling to our faiths while avoiding those bad habits. Uh, let's seek knowledge. And one way to educate others about our faiths is by our very own actions and how we carry ourselves. For more mm-hmm. information on Chaplain Saliha Jabin and her work, you can find her on LinkedIn under Saliha Jabin. I will also post the link in the show notes. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave me a rating and a review, and I look forward to hearing from you. Please be sure to hit subscribe so you do not miss out on any of my weekly shows. All right, so Chaplain Jabin, you're not off the hook yet. Before we officially sign off, <laughs> can I ask you for one last favor? Can we recite, pretty please, can we recite Surah Al-Asr as our outro? Absolutely. It'll be an honor to do that. Thank you so much for your advice, though. It'll always stay with me. It's a very powerful one. So on that, in the same vein, let's start uh, Surah Asr. Okay, let's do it. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Thank you, sister, for your time. Yes, inshallah. And thank you so much for that powerful advice. Inshallah, I will keep that close to my heart. Ma'am, we're grateful for your service. And personally, I'm grateful for this advice and your companionship. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you all for tuning into the show. If you want to learn more about what we talked about today, you can visit our website, sabatomansaray.com. If you like the show, please make sure to like and subscribe so you can get new episodes directly onto your phone. But let's keep the conversation going between episodes on Facebook at the Sabatu Mansory Journey and the same on Twitter and Instagram. You can always find us there talking faith, resilience, empowerment, and our beloved Mother Africa. Thank you again for your support. See you back here next week.